time being 7 o'clock, I call to order the September 13th Franklin School Committee meeting. Meetings are recorded by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29, as well as recorded by Franklin Matters. Any individual who also wishes to record this meeting must notify the chair in accordance with Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 38, Section 20F. Um, as we do have one member who is remote, we will have to do a roll call attendance. Um, so Camille Bernstein. I'm here. David Callahan. Here. Al Charles. Here. David McNeil. Here. Elise Stokes. Here. Megan Whitmore. Here. Denise Spencer. Here. Okay. Thank you, everyone. All right. I'm very excited to introduce our first pledge student of the school year. Um, so Clayton Delinsky, if you wouldn't mind coming up to the microphone. All right, I'm just gonna have a little blurb about you that your teachers put together. Clayton is a conscientious, curious, witty, kind, empathetic, and consistently acts with integrity. Clayton blossomed as a member of the peer leaders last year. He is a great listener and always takes others' feelings into consideration when he shares his opinions. Students seek him out when they need help because they know he will give them the assistance they need while preserving their self-esteem. Clayton is an avid lacrosse player, member of our ADL peer leaders, and participant in the inaugural middle school unified basketball team. He clearly lives the Remdog core values every day. Remington is proud to have Clayton as its representative. Clayton, thank you very much for being here this evening. And if you wouldn't mind leading us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you so much, Clayton, for coming. I know you and your parents have things to do, so why don't you guys go ahead and head on home? <laughs> and he's gone. <laughs> Can I make a comment for a minute? Yes. Um, Delinsky, I heard the name and I was excited to see. I actually, Clayton, your father and I went to school together and he was a phenomenal basketball player. And he's a, a person that I, I looked up to because I thought he was just a really good human through high school. And it's not a surprise to me that you did the pledge tonight based on what I know about you and your family. So it's nice to see you. And, and I hope your brother's doing well too. Okay, okay have a good night. Thank you for the introduction. My name is Ahan Shetty. I am the junior class president at Franklin High. And uh, I just want to touch up on some things going on at the school right now. So we're entering our first full week at the high school. Uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. So things are finally getting in the flow. Students are back to like, you know, waking up at the right time and <laughs> being at school and stuff. 
Um, I just want to touch up some extracurricular news. Uh, the school's having a club fair on September 22nd in the courtyard, and students can learn about new clubs that they're interested in joining, and just talk to other students that are in these clubs, and get a better idea if they want to join them. Uh, the mock trial team has had an info night. It was last Thursday, and they just got to know, you know, basics of mock trial if they're interested. And also, there's another follow-up meeting for new potential students that have interest and want to join, and if they just want to go to another meeting. Um, so all is welcome there. Uh, DECA is one of the most popular clubs at Franklin High. It is the school's business club, and. They had over 200 participants, I believe, last year. And their first meeting is Thursday, September 29th in the auditorium at 2.20 after school. That's also free, welcome to anyone, uh, returning members, uh, people that are interested in joining. Uh, so great stuff. Uh, for the junior class, particularly, we are right now focusing on forming a prom committee. Uh, these are a group of students that we want about 10 to 20, maybe even more, the more the merrier. Um, to help build our prom, which is gonna be May 5th at the Lombardo's Ballroom. Uh, so it's way ahead in the future, but we wanna start planning early. And right now students are, I'd say overall they're pretty excited. Um, things are getting finally back in the flow, like I said earlier. We have our first home football game this Friday, so students are really excited for that. Pep band's gonna be playing, student section, all that exciting stuff. And also, what is new at Franklin High this year is we have a period called advisory. And this is typically 10 minutes a day, and it's really just, it's not academic, there's no curriculum. You just kind of spend it with the uh, classmates, which for freshmen, it will be all four years. They'll have the same class, same advisor for sophomores, three years, juniors, seniors, etc. cetera. Um, and pretty much, you just, kind of formed like a community, you know? And it's, it's pretty nice, because we live in such like a fast-paced school where it's just next class, next class, next class. You know, one minute you're doing science, and then next minute you're doing math, and then next minute you're talking about history. And these are just 10 minutes to kind of like step back. And what's also nice is on half days, these are actually 40 minutes. Our first half day is coming up on Wednesday, September 21st. So that is gonna be a time where our advisors will talk about and teach stuff that may not be taught in like our class curriculums, but are still very applicable to us. Um, I heard, for example, from one of my teachers, they'll teach how to build a job resume, which is stuff that you might not learn in one of your typical core academic classes, but it's still very useful in our days now. So students are pretty curious to see how that's gonna be. You know, They don't know what we're gonna do in these 40 minutes, and they're, they're kind of looking forward to see how it's gonna go. And then, of course, at Franklin, we love our sports, so uh, football is one and no, the boys soccer team is one and one. Girls soccer, one and no, the field hockey teams, two and no. Volleyball had a great win last night uh, against KP, they're two and no. And the golf team, the Wicked Hot, they are five and no. <laughs> So yeah, that's all uh, I have to share with you guys. Um, thanks for having me again, and I look forward to this great year. We look forward to having you back. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, the national education, uh, I'm sorry, special education national banner. We were recognized. I want to congratulate Franklin High School um, for once again receiving the national banner recognition for Special Olympics International. Um, we've successfully achieved the national standard in excellence in the areas of inclusion, advocacy, and respect. And the athletes, partners, students, coaches, and volunteers, and our teachers at Franklin High all played key roles in creating a school climate where everyone feels included and respected for who they are. Um, and I want, a special, I want to send out a special thanks to our coaches, Lisa Berger, John Layton, and Jeremy Rice for their commitment. Um, you did hear about the, the game-winning shot, the gold medal. Um, this is uh, part of that organization, just to give context to folks at home. Um, and to receive the National Banner, we were one of 12 schools in Massachusetts um, to receive that recognition, and, and among 164 across the country. I would note, of those 12, um, we were one of seven to have received this more than once. So um, it's just a high distinction, and I wanted to call attention to that. And we received a nice letter from the president of the, the chairman of the Special Olympics International Committee, Tom Schreiber, uh, who uh, took a picture with our students down at the event, and it was just a, a real special moment. The Seal of Biliteracy, Dr. Rogers sent out an email or a message today. Um, we're pleased to share that we will be participating in the Massachusetts State Seal of Biliteracy Initiative um, for the 22-23 school year. What that means is the Seal of Biliteracy is a credential that promotes second language acquisition for any student who demonstrates proficiency in English and any other language. Um, whether they speak a non-English language at home or they learn it at school or within their community. So FBS looks forward to honoring um, those, language, uh, those language experts who, who acquire dual language. Um, and there's a letter that went out with more information. You might have seen it already come through and just wanted to point that out for, for our folks that may be listening. The final update is on COVID. Last meeting I provided an update regarding COVID and the joint memo that came out from the Department of Health and DESE. Mrs. Morano sent a letter out today regarding that. And this school year, um, we are um, expected to focus on COVID mitigation strategies. Um, and um, more information came out in that letter. Um, one piece I would call attention to is if kids are sick, just like if they had the flu or any other type of illness, uh, parents should keep them home. If a student does test positive for COVID-19, um, you should report that to the school. And if students are absent, um, it's, it's similar to how if you had the flu, if you kept your child home, um, if you want that absence excused, you would need to have a doctor provide a medical note that says that they're excused. So um, COVID falls in line with what we've done with the flu for many years and things to that nature. Um, and we'll no longer be sending um, case positive communications home as a result. So those are the updates. I'll pause there before we introduce our amazing um, new hires and open it up for questions. Thank you, Lucas. Uh, I'll start with Camille, do you have anything at home? I don't, thank you. <clears throat> Dave Callahan. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much uh, for the update uh, and for all of our, our educators. Uh, thank you so much for a fantastic uh, start to the school year. Really appreciate it. Uh, one thing uh, at our last meeting, we spoke at length about like the staffing issues that we were having and, and some of the different strategies we were using to, to fully staff all of our classrooms. Um, with the school year now kind of you know fully in action, where do we stand on that? Uh, have we, yeah, just in terms of 
you know, uh, are we having to still use some of the agencies uh, to be able to kind of hire? Are we still looking to kind of fill some of those other positions with more full-time uh, staff members? Yep, so we do have, um, we currently have five open positions across the district. Um, last time we met, and that's uh, for teaching positions. So last uh, time we reported out on the 23rd, I believe we said we had 31 mm -hmm. or 25. I think it was. Yeah, um, with, that's including ESPs. Um, we currently still have positions. We have 21 positions currently that we are looking to fill, many of which are ESPs within the district, but there's five um, educators that we're looking to fill. Just to um, make it clear to folks, um, when I think about the number of people we have, and we have 516 teachers, and we have five to fill, I think we're, in perspective, I would just add just a perspective layer. That doesn't take away from the fact that you know we want to make sure that we fill these positions, um, and we've been working with HR to clear. We cleared the deck, reposted so that they get to the top of the queue, so people can see the open available positions that we have, and we'll continue to actively hire. Some of the positions that um, we have are actually in process through interviews, close to recommendation. So um, I think uh, what would be most helpful is each school committee meeting. Maybe I can provide an update on where we're at with our hiring, um, just to keep uh, people informed of of our process. Uh, people are working really hard to get qualified, licensed um, educators that um, have the qualities we want to get in front of our kids. Um, and uh, there are other cases separate of new, like vacancies where you have someone who may be out on a maternity leave um, and then we would, just like we would have five years ago, have a long-term sub in the position who works within the department, um, can collaborate with an, a grade-alike peer or a course-alike peer to make sure that the students in the room um, provide, are provided the same type of education. So um, five out of 516, is that like 0.9? 0.9, so we're less than a percent, um, but we take that seriously and we wanna make sure that we fill those. So, And even um, our agency, I don't know if you wanna to speak to that, Mrs. Morano, but um, we continue to still look for positions to fill um, with employees within Franklin Public Schools as well. This is not unique, so I don't say this in a defensive manner, but certainly wanna just call attention and provide a little perspective for our community around this is not a unique issue um, to Franklin or Massachusetts or the country, but certainly uh, we take hiring seriously and we, we plan to fill all of our positions. Thank you. No, it's great to hear how quickly we were able to lower those numbers. And, and you're right, yeah, there's a turn on the news every single night and you hear talks about national teacher shortages all, you know, all across America. Um, so I, I really you know, applaud all the work that's being done to, you know, to bring that as close to zero as possible. Um, and yeah, if you might be able to include um, you know, a report in uh, the future too, just with those numbers, that'd be great. But really, thanks so much uh, for, for what you're doing. And again, for, uh, for the teachers that, that have signed up uh, and are, are already working and filling those classrooms, thank you so much. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, just to echo, as my colleague had said, uh, thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, the central office, I think, feel is, is doing a, as much as they possibly can to cover all the, the gaps that we that we do have. Um, and we, as Franklin, are in a much better space than other districts. So, so thank you for for that effort. I don't think we'd be there without you. Um, and the same thing for the, our educators that are here and, and watching as well. Um, thank you for all making a, a great first two weeks of school. Um, I can speak for my boys, um, having a great first experience into the middle school world and, and fourth grade. Um, and they wouldn't have that experience without the, the work that the educators have done from a, um, 
what's been what's happening these past two weeks and also what's happened prior to this in terms of all the preparation that you all have done um, so definitely um, not un unnoticed um, and, and thank you all for all the hard work you do and that you'll continue to do for the district as well um, yeah it's a um, echo what Helen uh, just said. Thank you for this update and uh, for a great start to this year. And to all educators, faculty, and staff here, um, I was really excited to hear about um, this na uh, Special Olympics National Banner. Um, yeah, that's that's really exciting to see that uh, the work that we're doing to be inclusive of all our students at um, in Franklin Public Schools is being recognized, and that we're one of seven schools in the entire country to have received this twice. That's that's truly spectacular. And the, the seal by literacy, that's wonderful that we're writing that this year. I know just how um, important and enriching it is for all, really any person, particularly students when they can learn a second language and be proficient in multiple languages at such a young age. It's how enriching that is for someone's life. So it's, it's great to hear that we're encouraging that. Thank you. Please. No, no questions. I just do want to echo what all my colleagues said about uh, gratitude and thanks to all this May? Um, yeah, same thing, Echo, congratulations. Happy that we're off to a good start this year. And um, I would think that our uh, students are you know, proud to be in our, in our school system. And, 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 and again, also thank the staff for all the hard work that it takes to start everything up after, you know, with all the challenges that we're having. So thank you. I just wanted to thank you for the update on the hiring. I know that the central office has been doing an amazing job keeping us updated. Gosh, I mean, since we've been hearing about shortages since the pandemic started. Um, so I know that the, you know, this is new to, to any of us or really anyone around the country. Um, you mentioned the long-term sub. Could you touch upon what that really, what that might mean for a student? They're not just sitting in class watching a movie. They're actually being Good question. brought through the curriculum. Being sure, and I, I hit on that a bit, but I can be a little more explicit. And, um, I think I think Mr. Hannah's on here as well, but uh, I will just speak for long-term sub is a consistent adult that's in the room um, that is getting guidance from the department head at the high school or a team leader or someone to help um, make sure that the students across a course alike, mm -hmm. uh, US one or a, you know English twelve. Um, are receiving the same information and obviously we want to have our teachers back that are teach those courses but um, certainly long-term substitutes are committed so it's not um, that the the idea is not to have a turnstile and have somebody new in every day that can happen on short term mm -hmm. where you have so that's why we have subs in our building um, but certainly if we know and we can predict um, that someone's going to be out um, we certainly plan for that and get um, get someone in the room who we feel can, can do that job at the level we expect so thank you very sure. much You're that was very helpful okay. You're um all right if there's nothing else uh mr jahir guest presentations are long-awaited dli presentation before we get to the dlis no. i'm gonna hold them off for a second because i'm really excited about the report the report's not over i have long reports <laughs> but it's not over and I'm still waiting for the DLI presentation. Yes, still waiting. Um, I'm excited to introduce um, our newly hired administrative staff, um, who's here here with us tonight, and um, we've provided an up an overview. So we'll share that and read. And I've asked um, Mrs. Morano and Dr. Rogers to help read um, to introduce some of the folks. 
What I thought we could do is when you hear your name, if you could just um, stand up and wave. The camera will pan to you, so maybe you could just stand while we read, and then you can sit when the next person goes. Does that sound fair? Okay. All right, Mrs. Zogby is moving. She's very Okay. Uh, the, the first administrator I'd like to welcome back is Miss Stephanie Wasik. She is the principal at Jefferson Elementary School. She's been in education for 24 years. Um, she was in Natick uh, previously, but before that was in Franklin. Ms. Wasik should be standing at the table. And she has a master's in educational administration and a bachelor's in elementary education psychology. And I, we asked each of our um, folks, what are they most looking forward to this year? And Ms. Wasik said she's looking forward to building relationships with Jefferson students, staff, and families. So I'd like to welcome Ms. Wasik back. We're so happy to have you back with us. I would like to recognize Dr. Timothy Frazier. Uh, Dr. Timothy Frazier is our newly hired curriculum director for ELA and Social Studies. He comes to us with 13 years of educational experience from Foxborough Public Schools. Um, Dr. Frazier went to the University of Vermont, uh, attended Western New England University for his master's in curriculum, and received his PhD in educational leadership from Lesley University. Dr. Frazier is most excited to start supporting the growth and development of literacy programming pre-K through 12 in the Franklin Public Schools. So I am happy to recognize Mrs. Lisa Daly. Lisa is our new Director of Student Health Services. She has been in the district as one of our health um, office nurse RNs for the last 16 years. She has a BSN in nursing and her her area of focus for this coming school year is i'm with you lisa moving past covid <laughs> <laughs> and forward to focus on the overall physical and social emotional well-being of our students and supporting all the district nurses which she's already already has done a phenomenal job so i Danny Sullivan buddies for a while when I was a teacher. So. Okay. Um, next we have Miss Heidi Harris. Heidi Harris is our director, our DEI director, and uh, she has over two decades in education. Um, has worked in school districts in New York City, Los Angeles, and Massachusetts, in, in addition to the nonprofit sector for research and development for organizations. She has advanced graduate studies towards her doctoral degree. And she's most looking forward to supporting and helping guide the work at the district and school level, supporting student experiences, and serving as an internal resources for each of our school communities. Uh, welcome, Heidi. Thank you. Next, we have Ms. Beth, Beth Murray. So I oh, really believe Beth um, had planned on being here tonight, but she has curriculum night for her fourth grade. Oh, she does. I'm so still going to read the wonderful things from Beth. So Beth is our newly hired assistant principal at Jefferson School. She has 17 years of educational experience. She comes to us from Sudbury Public Schools. She has her Master's of Education um, in Administration from Endicott College. And she is looking forward to fostering academic excellence for all students by supporting educators' continuous growth in teaching and learning, using student data and implementation of innovation approaches to teaching and learning. So welcome. The fun 
facts. Yeah. We say that, did we say that uh, Ms. Wasik and Ms. Murray were an administrative team? We did okay. not. So they, they were the principal assistant principal team at Davis Thayer. And they both returned to work together again at Jefferson. So it's a nice story of coming back together. And we, we appreciate that. Coming home. Yes. Uh, so next we have Ms. Carrie Buesavage. So Carrie Buesavage is the newly hired assistant principal at Keller Elementary School with 26 years of experience, all of which have been in Franklin Public Schools. Um, serving as a literacy specialist at Davis there in Keller for 25 years and prior to that teaching preschool for two years. Um, Carrie has her master's degree in education and she is looking most forward to continuing the work at the district at school level to develop our MTSS model and practices. In addition, she is looking forward to exploring and collaborating with colleagues in the area of growing and developing student leadership opportunities for all students K-5. experience in the food service world. Um, his uh, quick hiatus from Needham, uh, the previous district that he was at. Uh, he comes to us with a bachelor's degree in culinary nutrition, and he is very excited to be increasing fresh foods for, fresh foods for our students, as well as connecting more with local farms and providing uh, more scratch cooking and options for students. Next, we have Kara Ellis. Kara Ellis is our Franklin High School Athletic Director. She comes with 22 years of experience. She was most uh, recently working at Tantaspa Regional High School. She has a master's in secondary education, and she's most looking forward to building leadership skills, strengthening the communication skills, and providing positive experiences for our student athletes. Welcome, Kara. Andrew Duquette. Andrew is our new assistant director for special education at the elementary level. He is going on his 14th year in education. His previous district, district was Westford Public Schools. He holds eight CAGs in educational leadership and he is looking forward to being a resource to the staff working at ECDC and to the K-5 elementary schools. He'd like to build the capa our capacity to maintain IEP timelines, support families, and provide specialized instruction for our students requiring IEP services. He's looking forward to giving our special education leadership the autonomy and tools to lead the special education department in their schools, and we're so happy to have him with us. Next, we have Ms. Megan Sanko. Megan Sango is our second assistant principal at Keller Elementary School. She comes to us with 13 years experience from Neshoba Regional School District. She has her bachelor's in psychology, master's in education, and her CAGS in school leadership. Megan is most excited to make strong connections as a new member of the Franklin community, supporting staff in relation and student services needs, and collaborating to build a strong MTSS model. Welcome. more administrators to name. So next we have Adam Gooder. Adam Gooder is our K through 12 art director. 
He has over 25 years of educational experience, 15 at the college level, 10 at the high school level. He uh, previously worked at Concord Carlisle, and he has a master's from Simmons and Leslie College of Art, and he went to New York, uh, NYU for film and TV production as well. Um, he's most looking forward to working on the following in his first year. He want, he's looking forward to collaborating with his fellow leaders in the district, particularly around DEI and curriculum. He's looking forward to listening, observing art specialists throughout the district and learning about the great things they already do. And the third is he's looking forward to overseeing collaboration on capstone exhibits like art nights and sharing students' impressive creative artwork in all medias at all grades and all schools in the larger community. Welcome, Adam. And last but certainly not least, we welcome Ms. Amy Harvey back to Franklin Schools as the Assistant Principal at Parmenter. She comes back to us with 30 years of experience in education, um, 24 of which were at Oak Street in Franklin, and six as an ELA coordinator in Sharon. She received her undergraduate in elementary education and her master's in literacy and language from Framingham State. She is most looking forward to working with Ms. Barker and the Parmenter staff to support UDL. Welcome. That concludes our uh, welcome. Thank you everybody for showing up and being here. And um, it really means a lot to, to all of us, so thank you for, for that. Yeah, I mean, it really is an honor and a privilege to sit here and extend a heartfelt welcome to all of our new and returning staff. Um, thank you for choosing the Franklin Public School District and by extension, our students and families, it means a lot. Um, there will be challenges and changes just like with anything else, but mixed in there is a great deal of love and learning with our students and families. Uh, I know I speak for the entire committee when I say we wish you all the best for your tenure here in the district. So thank you all very much. excited to invite up our digital learning integrationists. Um, this team is uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, I know that uh, at the time we've been, we were looking prior to the pandemic, we were really looking and advocating for the opportunity to put professional staff who had the teaching chops to get in front of other teachers and help them to look at how they could help their students by using digital tools effectively. And um, through the work and support of our school committee, um, we were able to bring on board um, this team of digital learning integrationists. And um, I see this as a true investment in our system and a true investment in the work that we, we do with kids. Um, I am, and I know Mr. Penza, we, we were back and forth on emails. There was an article I shared a few years ago that talked about, and I'll find it. You probably, do, do you want me to keep going? Or do you, okay. So, take you off the hook on this. So uh, there was an article that talked about in education, 
there are a number of tools out there, and there's so many um, available. And it talked about how do you be uh, find high quality materials and tools and subscriptions, but also be fiscally responsible and make sure that you're utilizing them to their fullest capability. And it it provided some stats around the number, uh, the amount of dollars across the country that districts spend. Um, and what I will say is I'm really proud of this group is if we have a tool, they learn to use it, and if it's not effective, they're okay with having the hard conversations around the data and who's using it and how many. And I just like, for as a taxpayer and someone who's in town, I just appreciate that, that aspect. Let me take that hat off for a minute, the fiscal steward hat, and talk about enrichment. The work that they have done to support teachers. Any piece of technology that a teacher uses um, that requires any type of training, they are there to help get into the work. Um, and this is not the same as, like, I'm not talking about hooking up a projector, but how are we using tools um, effectively? So I'm just really excited. I will point out one more stat, and I'd like to invite you up at this point. It's okay. Um, they have a collective almost 90 years of experience <laughs> teaching. Uh, when you think about that, I think that's in this district for a long time. Um, all four of these folks have tremendous reputations and educators as being very, very professional and highly qualified educators. So I couldn't be more pleased to announce and share uh, Allison Finley, Kate Merton, Chris Penza, and Marianne Zogby. John Layton is also part of this in a partial role. Um, and he's not with us tonight, but he is a part of that team as well. So I'll kick it over to you all after that introduction. You don't have to talk about the article. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us tonight. Um, so tonight while we talk to all of you, our goals are to have you meet us, learn who we are, um, hear an overview of the Franklin Public Schools Digital Learning Plan, and understand the progress that we've made thus far and what our goals are moving forward. Um, I'm Allison Finley. Um, we work together as a team, but we have divided up the schools to use our time most effectively. So I'm assigned to Keller, ECDC, and Jefferson. Prior to taking this role last year, I was a teacher at Davis there, teaching third grade, and taught for a year in the Virtual Learning Academy. Uh, and I'm Kate Merton. I am working this year at Oak Street, Kennedy, and Parmenter School. And uh, prior to taking this role in 2020, um, I worked at Kennedy School for my whole career. So I've been, this is my 31st year in Franklin, um, and most of that was te teaching fourth grade. Uh, I'm Chris Penza. This is my 15th year at Franklin Public Schools. Uh, this is my, going to my second year in this position, uh, full-time position. I work very close with John Layton at the high school. Uh, he's a point two. Uh, we share an office and we share a brain and we, <laughs> we uh, bounce a lot of things off each other. So he, he's, uh, a huge help, so him not being here, um, I just wanna make sure that you know, he does a tremendous amount, even just as a point two, with a full teaching load, so he's he's a huge part of the team. Um, I work primarily at the high school and uh, Horseman Middle School. And I am Mary Ann Zogby. I primarily work at Remington and Annie Sullivan Middle Schools. Uh, this I'm going into my third year on the DLI team, one of the inaugural members. Um, Prior to this, I was in a middle school math position for 12 years, all of that in Franklin Public Schools, and we're very excited to move forward. All right, so um, 
The next thing we want to do is just we're going to start with an overview of our digital learning plan. There is an active link on the objective slide, so you can go directly to that if and when you want. Uh, but we wanted to give an overview of our four focus areas and then drill down a little bit into each of our focus areas and talk about what has been going on and what we're planning to do in the upcoming year. What are our goals for the upcoming year? Um, and the four focus areas are professional development, uh, the DLCS, or Digital Literacy and Computer Science Standards, uh, Digital Resource Management, and Technology Infrastructure Collaboration. Um, each of those areas are, are things that we have been focusing on and will continue to focus on. For professional development, our goal is to um, expand educator proficiency with the use of digital tools to impact student learning. Um, the digital learning standards, there's a, there's a set of K through 12 digital learning standards and our, our <coughs> focus is developing and curating curriculum resources to support instruction of those standards in the content area classrooms, as well as working to develop a pathway, K through 12, uh, to implement those kind of holistically. And of course, when you have all these digital tools in use in a district, there there's has to be a piece where you manage them all. So a big focus area for us is um, managing the, uh, identifying effective tools, as uh, Mr. Jakir mentioned, but also, um, recommending safe and secure digital tools and resources. And of course, none of this would be possible without a, a good collaboration with our technology department. Their role is to manage devices and networks and the infrastructure that keeps us running. And when we're implementing these digital tools in that uh, environment, obviously it's very important for all of us to collaborate um, to make it all happen. So as Marianne said, uh, the first goal uh, of our plan, the first part of our plan, it's kind of about teachers helping teachers so that they can act, you know, help students within the classroom. So professional development and then technological supports. District invests a lot of money into digital tools and digital resources. Our job is to help teachers and students access those to the best of their ability. And not just accessing, but practical application within the classroom setting for assessments, for feedback, for testing, for whatever it is, and to to utilize those tools in a way that it <clears throat> incorporates teaching, learning, and all the all the things that we want as a district for our students. Um, we have done a lot of professional development with regards to full day uh, conference style. We've got a lot of fellow staff members to help come and help facilitate a lot of um, very important um, discussions. Uh, we've had trainings on uh, geez, Louise. Um, formative um, district is investing a lot of money on formative uh, which is a digital resource that teachers can use to help track student progress over time um, real life access to student um, feedback instantaneous feedback they can it's all live on a live dashboard so they can touch base with multiple students at multiple times throughout the lesson Cooking with Google, Google self-paced modules for teachers. Uh, the district has been very kind and generous of offering teachers opportunities to do self-paced modules in which they can earn uh, district PDPs. Um, so the DLIs have created um, modules, individual modules for each Google platform, tool, resource. Um, I think we're up to 12 of them at this point. 14. Ooh, we're up to 14 of them. <laughs> And what happens is we um, 
teachers will submit and then we award them badges and they, when they have 10 badges they can earn 10 PDPs toward recertification or toward, toward recertification. And, and I just want to add to that we have found that you know opportunities to get in front of staff and provide professional development it can, can be tricky because there's so many other initiatives in the district. We have been uh, this. We have found that this self-paced PD with, with PDP offerings has been a good format for that. So one of the goals for this year is to expand the, the offerings in our self-paced professional development to focus on some of the digital tools that we're paying for. The, uh, the formative and our Google Enterprise are our important tools that we pay for that we want to make sure we're providing as much pro pro professional development as possible. And in terms of the DLCS standards, um, from an elementary perspective, we started last year by implementing a makerspace in each of the five elementary schools. Um, we provided training for the library ESPs to be able to facilitate those lessons um, and get them up and going. Over the summer, we worked to take some of the feedback we got from the ESPs and the individual schools to try and improve the plans um, and make it a meaningful experience for all those students and for the ESPs. And so we will continue working on that this year, fine-tuning and making sure it's a great experience for all those kids during the arts exploration block in third, fourth, and fifth grade. And uh, last spring, the DLI team, along with Dr. Rogers, had an opportunity to attend a DESE-sponsored workshop where we explored um, different options for implementing a DLCS pathway into the curriculum. So um, we plan to continue that work this year with a focus on the middle schools, uh, primarily because we feel like we're in the best position with the middle schools. The middle school students attend uh, specials that directly deliver instruction in that area. So. We, we feel like we have a jump start in the middle school band, so our, our first year focus will be there. But in parallel, we're also looking for opportunities to integrate these standards into content area instruction. And the next couple of slides, we want to drill down a little bit and show you what that looks like in, in the different grade bands for um, in the classroom where that's happening. I think we can say this is our favorite part of our yeah. presentation. <laughs> uh, being able to share what we're doing and being in front of kids, I think all of us love that so much. So we're always so excited to be invited in and to be able to do these things in the classroom. Um, on the screen right now are some pictures of K-2 kiddos in action. Um, and what that looks like for that grade span um, for our youngest learners, it's getting them to actually log in, learn how, <laughs> learn how to care for a Chromebook. And I will say you will never sweat more than when you're trying to get 20 kindergartners onto a Chromebook. Um, but, and then once we get them onto those Chromebooks, then being able to tie the DLCS standards into what they're working on in the curriculum. So for example, kindergarten, first grade, they're working on sight words. Um, so we can, Kate and I have worked to create some um, interactive slideshows where kids are learning how to drag and drop, they're learning how to navigate their trackpad and type while they're also building words and practicing sight words, practicing math skills, equations, things like that. Um, we've also been able to elevate student voice, even with our youngest kids, by using things like Flipgrid and Book Creator. Um, to give students another way to share their learning. Um, and also being able to communicate with families, we had a great opportunity to do some fun activities with QR codes where kids were sharing poetry with their families and then we'd send that QR code home. Parents could scan it, see the video, and see their, their child sharing their work. So there's a lot of great opportunities there for those kids. 
Um, and in addition to the DLCS, which is a big part of our job, we're also working on integrating technology into the other um, subject areas and the other learning standards. So um, here we have, we a lot of things come across our email, like um, virtual field trips. So there's a bunch of companies in the country who offer virtual field trips. Our job is to share them with the staff that, that would benefit from it. And three to five, we often share Buffalo Bills um, West, of center of the West. And they offer live field trips from Joshua Tree National Park, live field trips from Yellowstone. And the, um, the rangers are outside with, the, um, with an iPad and the kids are in and they're just with the students in the classroom, so they're able to ask questions. So one of our roles is to see that um, opportunity and then offer it up, share that with the staff and offer our services for people who maybe aren't as comfortable with the technology. So many teachers are very comfortable to plug in their TouchView and all they need is the link, but some people aren't and so we're there to help with that as well. Um, you can see a couple other things that we wanted to highlight. Um, some things that we do are related to internet safety or the acceptable use policy, and that might be direct instruction. On our part, we might co-teach with the teacher, and we develop materials, and then they can use those in future years. Um, we provided that at the top is a My Map. That's a Google My Map, and that is um, Explorers. It's the routes that Explorers take, and then below that you can see the student who's going through the routes, and at each bullet point there's a video, there's a photo, there's some information. And that's the students receiving the, the information. The next step is for them to create one. We didn't get to that last year. This was our first year using it. Um, we used Book Creator. We created class newspapers, so we're integrating in, um, language arts. And then, um, of course, Flipgrid. So you've got a couple of little green arrows there. If you're interested, there's a podcast that was created as a result of a class newspaper, and there's also a video of a fifth grade student uh, from Parmenter on her American Revolution project that she did in Flipgrid. Those uh, videos were great. The, the students all recorded themselves and then they all could watch them individually. They could do it at home, they could watch it in the classroom and then provide written feedback. So for those students who aren't comfortable getting up in front of the class and speaking just yet, they still have the opportunity to do an oral presentation and some teachers just make that one of the choices for them. So. All right, so at the middle level, uh, looking at the DLCS standards in action, on the left side of this, you, you are looking at a uh, multimedia digital gallery that was made by a sixth grade group. Uh, they used a tool called Book Creator. Did we mention Book Creator? <laughs> <laughs> I get it. <laughs> uh, and, and so these sixth graders, they were in an ELA class, and their, their content standards were, the goal of the project was to spread a positive message inspired by their study of the book Stella by Starlight by Sharon Draper. So here they're working on their ELA content standards, but integrated in with that is an opportunity to address a couple of the digital learning standards using this book creator tool. And the, the, what they came up with, the, the kids had a blast. This was in June, when you would, like late June, when you would think the kids would really be checked out, and they didn't want to stop working on this. Um, the, st the standards that they, the, this standard, students will use a digital tool and media-rich resources to integrate information from multiple file formats to design and create a single online artifact. 
I didn't make that up. That's a digital learning standard. So that's integrated into their work in their ELA classroom, and, and this is the tool they use to do it. Um, that isn't just an image, not a live link, but if you're interested in looking at some of those projects, they were really fun. They're, they're, when I say multimedia, they were recording voices, integrating music, having animation, like whatever it was that caught that child's interest, they were able to integrate that into their project. And each one was completely unique and, and really amazing. They sent a lot of great positive messages. Uh, on the right side of this slide, you're looking at some eighth graders uh, in a geometry class. These eighth graders were charged by their teacher with to each teaching, each to put them in groups to teach lessons in one of their units. So the students had to go in teams and collaborate and develop a lesson to share with their classmates. And in doing so, uh, so, so they obviously had the geometry standards that they were learning and teaching, but integrated in that, they had opportunities to hear some more DLS, DLCS standards for you. Communicate and publish key ideas and details individually or collaboratively in a way that informs, persuades, and or entertains using a variety of digital tools and media-rich resources, straight from the DLCS. They're using the touch views. They, they had to get a little bit of training on how to use the touch views. They built their projects that had interactive features that students could use to learn the geometry skills. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So that's middle school in action. Uh, at the high school level, the two biggest things that we got from buy-in from teachers and students um, was uh, Canva. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Canva, but Canva has uh, great educator and student uh, accounts with a lot of um, free access to templates. Um, so think of it as replacing the old pen and paper. Think of it as replacing if you're going to do a then and now poster, if you're going to do a collage, if you're going to do um, anything with kind of multimedia. The one on the left is um, a live Twitter feed uh, from a world history course in which they were recording the events of December 7, 1941, uh, Pearl Harbor Day. Um, on the right side of the screen uh, is Google Earth. And the Google Earth uh, was the second really big buy-in I got from teachers with regards to the concept of virtual field trips. You could literally go anywhere you want in the world. You can plant down in a famous place in the middle of the woods. And if there's a geo feature, you can go down, you get a street view, and you can see what it's like to be in these places. Um, so two of the assignments that I helped out with, one was a, um, an exploration of Asia. So they kind of, uh, the top one is about Japanese and kind of uh, how Japanese has or Japan has really expanded since, um, or innovated since the uh, post-World War II era. And then the one below it was a World War II, the effects World War II, as you can see, is Berlin, is Germany. Um, so students can win in, they can create slides, they can in incorporate graphics, pictures, images, um, detailed slideshows, and then they can pinpoint uh, important geographical locations or ge geo markers. Um, to give people a um, virtual field trip and that their classmates can view. Okay, so our third focus for our digital learning plan is digital resource management. And a quick update, um, we, we aligned with the Education Collaborative a couple years ago and they help us to navigate the student data privacy agreements and the legal aspects. So, everything that the teachers are using now has an agreement that will protect student data privacy. And if those sites um, or those resources wouldn't sign them, they're now blocked. The teachers aren't able to use those. So um, that's been an ongoing, sort of a gradual process as we, as we opened it up. And if our firewall does block something, we have established some um, protocols where 
the, the teacher will fill out a form and say, I'd like to use this website and here's why. And that form will go into a spreadsheet and currently it goes to Dr. Rogers who will review the academic um, piece and then review the safety. And if it's okay, we do unblock it. So there, it's not sort of a hard and fast line, but we do have um, protocols in place. So we've been working on that for the last um, two years. Protocols for adding um, extensions for Google or other apps, and this year now we've sort of tightened up with that in collaboration with the technology department. Um, our continued goal is to, we monthly need to review our student data privacy agreements to make sure that they are up to date. If they've expired, we, we just have to request a new one. Um, we want to continue to develop systems for evaluating sites and share that information with staff. I think um, the pandemic has been great for us to really look at digital learning and what is available and now we can really dig into what's available and what are the benefits of it and maybe what are some things that aren't so beneficial now. Um, so we're continuing to look at that and share that information as we have with the staff. So number four is technology, infrastructure, and collaboration, and kind of touching base on what Kate just talked about. Uh, we have really, I'm proud of the partnership we've built with the technology department of Franklin, uh, the town of Franklin. They are not only work for the town, but they also work with the schools as well. So kind of bridging that gap between their universe and the educational universe. They've been incredibly helpful, incredibly responsive. Uh, I'm sure they're sick of getting hundreds of emails from me on a pretty consistent basis about you know inquiring about why this resource was blocked if not you know can you try to explain to me why not or do you have another reason or do you have a you must have your reasons can you share that with me so i can share that with with the faculty members as well um we've built systems in place to vet potential you know resources that we want access to uh, we've had great discussions with them about kind of what, what they can allow, what they can't allow, and they've kind of guided us to what is allowable and, and moved us in that direction. Um, so we have a bi-monthly meeting with the Director of Technology in which he touches base with upcoming information, um, important infrastructural updates. Um, he solicits questions and feedbacks from us, um, and it's, it's really opened the door to communication between the teaching world. I mean. The technology department, their job, and they take their job very serious, is to protect data privacy, to protect um, uh, the resources at the town level, but oftentimes students and teachers need access to certain things. So they've been very responsive, they've been very helpful in, in trying to bridge those gaps and find solutions to, to make sure that teachers and students ultimately have access to the resources that they need. of student privacy. I think before a lot of those um, measures were put into place, you know, schools would be excited to use these new programs and wouldn't really realize how they were, you know, 
making companies wealthy off of our kids' information. And, and so I'm glad to hear that that's uh, really tightly monitored. Um, I'm also, I was really excited to see the um, high level projects that kids are using technology for. Um, I, I've taught online since 2003 and it, it really is like, it, it takes a long time for districts to ramp up and to use the technology in a way that's mindful. Um, I um, have used the SAMR model where um, you want to create brand new things that the technology makes possible instead of just substituting um, being online and putting a worksheet online. Of course, worksheets, having PDF copies, having digital copies have made um, a teacher's job easier. Um, it has made more convenience for families. But um, I want to continue to encourage um, the mindful use of technology so our kids aren't on computers all day. Sometimes uh, hearing of students you know, doing something that they could do with a pen and paper to get a break for their brain and for their eyes and the blue light, um, we just want to make sure that we're doing those sorts of um, really being mindful about whether it's something that you need the computer for or if it's something that could also be done on paper. I don't mean to sound like a Luddite or old school. I just get concerned when, you know, I hear of kids coming home and they're like, yeah, I was on the computer all day and that, that can't be good for their eyes and brains. Um, that said, I'm also excited about the uh, modules for teachers. Anytime that I support, anytime teachers can work within their own needs, their own interests, and also their own um, excitement about technology. And when you have a top-down, everyone must use this one thing, uh, that doesn't work well in the classroom. So I absolutely am excited to hear from you and um, uh, support all your efforts. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the presentation. Um, and uh, yeah, I know so many of the, the tools uh, and the opportunities that I gave to the, the kiddos, uh, like Makerspace. My daughter came home just so excited, so jazzed about everything with Makerspace. And uh, when we were doing the, the walkthroughs of the schools, we were seeing some of the, uh, the areas that kind of you know sectioned off for the Makerspace, and we saw just incredible projects that kind of coming out of that. It was uh, spectacular. And I also just want to kind of echo what my uh, colleague said too, just about student digital privacy. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear the steps that, that are being done to secure uh, the students' privacy. I just want to confirm too, I know um, kind of talked about blocking websites and like uh, Google Chrome extensions. Does that still um, kind of expand to pretty much all digital resources, apps, programs? It's not just websites that were- Yes. Project okay. And if somebody wants to use something, um, that we don't have a, an agreement for, it doesn't mean the agreement doesn't <coughs> exist, and it doesn't mean that the company won't sign it. It means we haven't initiated that yet. So oftentimes people will say, I'd love to use, uh, I some stuff come up, came up this week, and it turns out that we just needed to let them know and within 24 hours we had an agreement signed. So, but yes, it's uh, any kind of digital tool. Wonderful, thank you very much. And, and if in the event we run up against one that a teacher wants to use and it's blocked, for some reason they don't sign an agreement and we consider it to be not a secure application, part of our role is exploring alternatives for teachers that are safe and secure to, to accomplish the same task. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the great part of being a part of the consortium is that <laughs> other school districts have already vetted it, they've already read all the language and their lawyers have already, they paid their lawyers to do all the, all the work so we can piggyback on, on a lot of those agreements. So. And just to piggyback off what Mary Ann said, 
just looking not only for student data privacy, but also just to make sure our infrastructure runs well, just looking for redundancies among apps that we're using and trying to streamline what we're using for teachers to make it data privacy safe, infrastructure safe, and um, a quality instructional yes. resources. Yes. We, we want to make sure, you know, there are lots of things that are safe and they're not stealing your data, but <coughs> are they really worthy of our, our students' mm -hmm. time? Is, is it an, an instructional resource that we, that, that has merit? Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for the clarification. I, I truly appreciate that. Uh, thank you all. Thank you. Um, so just to remind folks, uh, DLI didn't start off as a, a fully funded program. We, we had extra funding and it's temporary and we took an attempt to bring this together and see what we got from return on investment. And I'm glad to see that you know, we were able to make this permanent and then just what we're getting from this. I feel like you're providing value multiple facets. I mean, you're, to the teachers, as you said, uh, to the students, and I think our community should understand that sometimes we have to go out there and try something different. And we don't know what we're gonna get, and this is just amazing work, uh, but we should continue to do so because it, it's, it pays dividends. Um, so, so one, thank you, because uh, I can't imagine what the teachers would have to go through if they had to create this content on their own, or how disparate it would be if every teacher had to do their own content versus having a group of folks creating content, doing this research, and caring for the whole. So, uh, definitely phenomenal. Um, things I loved that I heard and, and saw um, was around the, the way we were involving our students in technology. I mean, one of the things that we heard throughout the pandemic was the, the loss of learning. And like by bringing technology in the classroom, we're not just, we're not taking for granted that the kids can, can grasp it. We're now giving them direction and guidance and they can use this in the classroom and then also take it home to supplement what they've learned so that whatever perceived loss they may have, they can build up at home and, and if they have an app for technology, Run with it on their own, that teacher, and, and really build upon that. So I think that's a great opportunity for growth. Um, the virtual field trips, great. I love that. I didn't realize that the, we had a, um, it was an individual um, uh, park ranger that would actually take the class. So I think that that's something phenomenal. I think when people think of virtual field trip, they think of, okay, we're watching a video. You know, you're just, and it's not interactive. And I think this really brings the students in. Um, but it gives us a bang for our bucks. So once again, the value that we're getting out of it, and I think if we put out, put out the funds out there, we'll get a lot more in return. Um, I guess for me, with all the work that you do, um, how are you in capacity? Like, is, is, are, you, are you to the point where there are things that you can't do and if you had more resources that you would do more of? Or are we in a space that, you know, we're, we're managing <laughs> um, I'll start. I work in three elementary schools. I spend a day and a half in each elementary school, give or take. We meet on Tuesday mornings for an hour and then we sort of fill in with meetings. Um, as far as that, that capacity, it's, it ebbs and flows. There, there are days when there's when people will call me and say, there's no time in your schedule, I really need you to come today, but I'm not available because it's a day and a half. And there are times where I have more time to work on the administrative things, the data privacy. Um, right now, it's a lot of kindergarten and first grade logging onto Chromebooks <laughs> and getting ready, so it's pretty busy right now, I would say, Allison. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess I would add to that, that working in two middle schools, the needs do kind of fall into the same category. 
Uh, so going back and forth between two middle schools, you can't be both places and inevitably someone's going to need you in the building you're not in. So in a perfect world if we had one in each building, but the piece that I think is challenging is when you go into a teacher's classroom, they're opening their door to you and you're, you can in some cases be a stranger. And so it's that relationship building that allows you to get into the class and co-teach and be the most effective you can be and have a comfort level with the teacher. And building those relationships, I think, would be easier if each school had a dedicated DLI. I'm not necessarily advocating for that. If we're talking pie in the sky here, I think that's a piece that, that would improve if, if each of us were dedicated to a particular building and, and developing those relationships that will get us in the classrooms and, and have everybody in the classroom be comfortable, the students, the teacher, the DLI. Perfect. <laughs> <coughs> um, once again, thank you for all the work that you do. It's, it's amazing, and I, I look forward to seeing what comes and, and how we can our goals for this year. Yeah, thank you for being here this evening and sharing this wonderful information with us. It's um, really it's a great impression to see um, that we're uh, teaching our students digital and uh, technological literacy at such um, such a young and um, formative age, and yeah, just preparing them for the future. So it's um, it's great that we, Prime uh, um, Public Schools, are providing them that. Um, a couple questions. So, what would you say? has been the biggest benefit to the students' learning experience of this program, whether it would be something specific that you mentioned here or, or just in general? Well, I mean, well, one thing, or just, can I give you a couple? <laughs> <laughs> How much time? <laughs> I mean, so uh, first off, I think the student data privacy element of it, I, I, I don't think that can go, I don't think that can go in check. I think that, that's got to be top priority of, making sure that student data and their privacy is kept secure and putting those systems into place and making sure those systems are, are lockstep and you know just consistent. And um, I think the second part is getting the tools to the teachers, getting the, the proper tools, the appropriate tool in the teacher's hands so they can you know facilitate really impactful and meaningful lessons to students. Um, I just thought, for me, those are the two that kind of jump off the page for me. And thinking about what Camille said about mindful use of technology, mm -hmm. that gives teachers the opportunity to model that mindful technology use to their students, as well as be able to make it meaningful for themselves as well. Um, I would say as far as the students go, I think, um, this is not going to be an educational term, but that idea that the you can shrink the earth, the idea that you can go to Joshua Tree National Park when you're studying the national parks or when you're studying animal adaptations. Those um, experiences that we couldn't have imagined when we were children. Um, the idea that you can talk to a classroom in another state and practice your map skills because you're talking back and forth and you're using the vocabulary but you're, it's just beyond what we can imagine and I think that that um, impact on, on student learning is hard to quantify but I think it just their experiences in the world are just so different from ours. Um, the idea that a student can read a poem and send a QR code and that can go to their their parent or the guardian and they can share it with their grandparents and everyone's seeing these these things and the children see the power in that and they make those choices. So I think those um, that would be my elementary. Uh, it's hard to pick just one, but <laughs> I think um, one of the things that jumps out at me as beneficial to the students is with technology and these digital tools, you can, uh, teachers are able to provide individualized instruction for students in a way that they just simply could not do without digital tools. 
So for special ed students and language learners and students with diverse learning needs, these tools take teaching and learning to a whole level that you could not get to without the tools. So just, just because there's such a wide variety of need in the students and the tools help teachers bridge that gap and meet students where they are. Very powerful in that way, I think. Excellent. It's really encouraging to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Um, a second question. Of, of the goals that you mentioned for the coming year, what do you believe is going to have the biggest impact on moving the program forward? I would say um, the professional development. I would say the, the formal professional development, our conference style, and the professional development that happens naturally when we're in classes working with the technology with the students. So I think, um, as I think uh, you said, teachers are busy. They're really busy. And technology changes so quickly that it's just to plan for a day and then try to learn something new and try to choose what's the, what the right thing to use. <coughs> Having um, our ability to, to take the time to do that and really practice and use the tools and then go model those tools and offer our support, I think will we'll really make a difference. So, yeah. I mean time, like it's the number one thing. Yeah. Time with teachers, time in front of teachers, time with students, time in front of students. There's just not enough time in the day, there's not enough time in the school year, um, but, but that's, Logistically, being being present, being with teachers uh, as much as possible uh, when we're on rotating schedules. You, you want to be responsive, as responsive as you can to teachers' needs and student needs. Um, and sometimes being in different buildings is, is a little different, so it gets a little tricky. Um, or their schedule's not quite lined up with your schedule, or just just trying to get enough time to fit everything. All, all the trainings that have to be done, all the mandated trainings, all the initiatives, and then somehow incorporating the PD to align with district paid resources um, or getting in front of teachers to model a lesson on some new resources that they're not comfortable or familiar with. For me, just be time, time is kind of like that big thing. And then um, one last question. Um, how do you see or how do you hope to see the program develop over the next five years? I think looking big picture at five years, I, I saw an email earlier this week that talked about the different kinds of teachers you have in the district. We have digital natives who are our biggest growing population of teachers who have grown up with digital tools. They're not afraid, they're trying things, um, and they're very savvy. And then we have people like, you know, most of us here who would be called digital immigrants where we, you know, were born at a time where there was not a lot of technology and we've had to learn, but we're, you know, embracing it and trying to use it. And then I just came up with, I needed another catchphrase. So I'm calling them the OG teachers who, you know, have, have come along and they started at a time where they didn't have to use technology and might be feeling, um, I don't think reluctance the word, but just, um, oh my gosh, what is the word hesitant. I'm thinking of? Yeah, hesitant, hesitant, um, or insecure with their skills. And so some, it's helpful for us to start to move each of um, these groups of teachers into up to the next level and to be able to, as Marianne said earlier, develop those relationships, help to make people comfortable so we can be modeling the 21st century skills for our students. And a lot of what we do, it's, it's not replacing what they do or replacing them, it's, it's accentuating what they do and, and, and helping them. Like that's all we want to do is want to get in there and let these things help them, help students, help them mm -hmm. reach students, help them 
make material more accessible to students. Um, it's just the classrooms are getting so much more diverse than when I started here 15 years ago with regards to um, you know, who's in your class and, and how do you reach all those students and, and how do you get the equity and how, and how do you make material accessible to all these kids. I just think those are the digital resources. I think that's what they can. And I think looking at us as a team, I think a PD piece for us is going to be developing our coaching skills and finding strategies to get us in front of more teachers. And, and the mathematician in me can't resist, but going forward, um, you know, I feel like we have corralled the Wild West, sort of our processes are in place, our systems, we know each other, and, and we have, we're, we're like an oiled machine now, and I think taking our team to the next level, um, obviously it's always going to be part of our life to research and, and monitor the digital tools that are in use, but the next level of that I think would be sort of quantifying the eff efficacy of those tools, not just making sure they're safe and secure, but are they effective? Are, are students learning outcomes better because we're using this tool. And that's sort of like DLI 2.0. And, and it's going to take us some time to, to figure out exactly how to do that. But I think that's longer term one of the things we'd like to wrap our heads around. That's it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, only, one, one last time. Let me see Mr. Layton tell him I said hi. I haven't seen <laughs> I will. I'm just going to say a lot of the skills that we use every day um, digital tools for collaboration. I can't think of a day I don't collaborate on some sort of digital tool. I'm also reminded, and I see Mr. Baki here, um, my son had applied for ADL, an after-school program, to become a peer leader. And they had to do a flip grid and introduce themselves and apply. And um, at the time, I remember uh, my son said, you know, I don't understand why I have to do it this way. I'm never going to use the skill. And then something came up like a week later where his uncle was basically like, I had an interview for a job, but the first thing I had to do was, it wasn't Flipgrid, it was the company's um, format, but they had to speak to um, some answers as a candidate, and that's how they were screened mm -hmm. for employment. So I just think those types of skills that we wouldn't have had to use at a young age um, to continue to develop, and it ties right in with our portion of the grad work, which I appreciated seeing in your digital learning plan, which lays out, that will be posted also and shared um, with the public and all of our teachers as well after this meeting, um, but it does hit on kind of what they're up to, what are their goals for the year, so thank you. Yeah, so what are they up to and what are their goals for the year? I feel like you really put this together so well and I love the presentation. Um, and this is our second presentation we've seen from you and it's been a year, I had to check because I was like, time's funny and COVID times and so it was a year ago and you've done a lot of work in the year. And like you were saying, Mary is sort of corralling the Wild West, and that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And kudos to you. I know we got a lot of new technology devices, and um, as you're saying, building relationships with teachers is important because how can you teach them how to use all the tools if they don't trust you and welcome you into the classroom? And I think that's, you know, that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy um, and authenticity, too, which is important. Um, so I think Lucas spoke to this a, a little bit, and so did Al. Um, but pre-COVID, we used to talk about how um, other districts had positions like this and we didn't. And we weren't quite sure. We had sort of a coordinator-ish position. We had some committee-type roles. Um, but it, it really wasn't um, sort of centralized and structured in the way it is now. And I think that this was a silver lining of COVID, you know, being my kids were BLA for a year and a half. Or, um, virtual for a year and a half, and so 
I learned so much about technology. They learned so much about technology. These teachers and all of you were living it. And I think um, we learned a lot of tough lessons in COVID, but, but this is one of the silver linings. And I think we saw it as an absolute necessity at that point to get people there um, to support these ELA teachers and the families um, and the students. And just the fact that all, I think you all explained really well from your different perspectives, different examples, different levels of really the types of work that you do. So you're integrating digital learning into our classrooms. And so the teachers are teaching just like they always were, but you're just enhancing it and making it a little bit flashier and more fun and faster. And like you're saying, if we could have read about Joshua Tree in a book, we could have, and we could have imagined it, we could have drawn it with great cause or whatever, um, but, but this is a whole different type of learning and really hitting all, all the diverse learners and um, it's really so inclusive and really exciting. We're just so glad to have you here. Um, okay, so you're saving time, you're saving teachers time, and time is money, that's very important, I think, in enriching their school experiences more than many of us can even imagine. A lot of the things you're talking about, you know, some of them I, I know really well, Flipgrid, for example, or Google Docs or whatever, but some of it I don't think I'm, like, I need to figure out what form it is. I'm really excited about learning about that because that sounds really helpful, but overwhelming. Um, and I feel like I could use a DLI in my life. <laughs> and certainly, like, digital research management as a parent with a 12 and a half year old. Um, and so, like, that's a joke. But it's sort of not. So is there, are there ways that, are there ways that um, not that the DLAs have extra time, but is there a way that somehow like parents can tap into this expertise or we can have some kind of forum or like, I, I do wonder, is there a way, you know, like we can get on common sense media every once in a while, but it's certainly not this robust as far as privacy, efficacy, all these, you know, vetting certain programs. I don't know if this is, um, about the scope of the DLI, it's certainly not in like the plan, but. I just would say that the DLI is offered during COVID and throughout COVID coffees um, for parents, mm -hmm. and particularly our, our newest parents who were new to the system and um, weren't sure on how to use some of the technology. Mm -hmm. If you remember back, how to get on a meet, that was a skill we all had to learn. Mm -hmm. um, where to find my child's um, information so that I know which class meet to put them on. Um, and those are things that um, the DLIs uh, were instrumental in at that time. And we've evolved all from there um, as people, but certainly there's room in there for continued engagement with our community, particularly around the resources that we're gonna be supporting. And, and another long-term goal is really around the user experience. I'm gonna put my parent hat on, is around as students navigate a school day, there's a lot of tools out there. And it's, you know, one might be suited best for like a world language course, and then an English class and a history class might. So I think the use of tools and on the user end, how many logins do we have? How many different platforms are parents and students expected to utilize? And are there ways to look at that from an efficiency standpoint? So to streamline some of those processes and tools, that's a longer term goal. But I do I do see an opportunity for, for continued engagement with our parents. Um, if there's an, the coffee started to dwindle, I know that you held them and they weren't highly subscribed after people we were all in survival mode. I think when people learned how to get on meat, it's like, that's what I need to do right now. Um, certainly, maybe we can come back to that and look for a And I think we talked, um, I know we talked about ways to communicate um, 
you know, what's happening. And we, we it certainly has been on our radar. We haven't come up with sort of a method for that yet, but it's definitely something, at least, that we've been thinking about. So um, yeah. thank you for mentioning that, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not thinking, like, individual consultation, mm -hmm. like me asking about my son, you know, but, like, um, but just, like, maybe even, like, a corner in some kind of newsletter, yeah. like, you that we were in the DLIs, we started with Lucas, and, and that was certainly something that was a goal that um, he had. So we met that first year, and we had a, I don't know, 27-page document <laughs> of all the things, all the things. And um, then last year, we had a year under our belt, so we took a step back. We had some new team members. Fresh eyes. We, yeah, fresh eyes, and we <laughs> narrowed it down. Um, but definitely, it was Lucas's, um, was the driver. It just felt like we were investing in these positions and it was important early on to set some goals and determine how we get reached out. And you, you all just took, took off with it for sure. But and it's helpful to us too because when we start to, like so many demands on us every day and for us to know where the boundaries are, like is that a digital learning support thing? And we're all solutions oriented by nature so we're helping wherever we can but it provides a roadmap for us to, to kind of define what it is we do and that's really helpful to us, where these are relatively new positions and we want to understand what's expected of us in the, in the schools um, and, and communicate it too. So now we are clear on what it is we're providing and, and people can see that as well. If you looked at the job description, there's 30 bullets of things that we're required <laughs> And to try to wrap our head around it and to, and to try to make it cohesive and to kind of get on the same page, it was, all right, so what, what's our action plan? Like, how do we, how do we take our position and make it applicable to school committee like, so that you understand what it is that we exactly do. How do we make it applicable to the schools, to the principals who are going to try to facilitate and utilize us with their teachers? And how do we make it applicable to the teachers so they know what do we do? Like, do, do we come in and fix their their devices? Not really. That's not what we do. We're, we're, we can help you utilize those devices, but it's more about the practical application of all, everything that goes on into teaching a classroom the teaching, learning, instruction, feedback, assessment, everything. So it was a labor of love. <laughs> well, well done, we appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks so much. This, this is a really important um, service that you guys provide for the district. Uh, it's great to have a team of people develop, developing these and um, you know sharing that knowledge and building relationships with the teachers because this, there's no doubt this saves time and enhances the, um, um, you know, the learning um, for, you know, for the students. Um, and, uh, you know, this translates into, you know, more education and, you know, career stuff, you know, for, for, the, for the kids as, as, they, as they progress. And I just want to sort of add, when, when I was uh, in elementary school, our digital learning was an Apple IIe with Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we're about your stuff. Teaching. Thank you guys so very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
Yeah, one other thing too, I just wanted to touch upon in the the preceding policies. Mm -hmm. um, we also kind of added language that these policies, uh, these uh, apologies, these procedures uh, that we're uh, looking to kind of implement would be reviewed annually. Uh, so the, there's language within the policy itself that is going to uh, kind of force everybody uh, to be transparent, continually to look back, uh, and make sure that everything is is uh, up to standard. But otherwise, no discussions. Al Charles? No questions. Dave and Gil? Not for me. Elise Stokes? No, but thanks, Dave Callahan, for clarifying that. I think that's important. Megan Whitlow? Uh, no. Okay. All right. Vote will come on the motion. We'll have a roll call vote. Camille Bernstein? Yes. Dave Callahan? Yes. Al Charles? Yes. Dave McNeil? Yes. Elise Stokes? Yes. Megan Whitmore? Yes. Denise Spencer? Yes. Moving on to discussion only items, Mr. Chair. Okay, so we have just the review. I referenced these uh, during that, mm -hmm. that vote for elimination so that you had context to not just um, removing a policy without having a procedure to, to back that up. Our next uh, plan is to post these mm -hmm. and make these public and alert um, our community that we have these particular policies and we'll update those and we're gonna combine um, these Procedures. Thank you, Mr. Morano. We're going to combine these procedures with our bullying and have it all on one page so that it's clearer and more easily accessible for our staff, our students, our families um, to, to have that. And um, just wanted to point that out in, in the discussion only so that it was clear what we're going to do. Okay. And then item B, we are so eager to hear more about your transition plan. I am excited uh, to share with you. I have a transition plan that I'll share with you now. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Michael Sullivan, who is my coach. You may remember from last meeting we talked about I've been assigned a coach through the, um, the new superintendent induction program, and um, Michael has uh, agreed to join me here um, to share a little bit about the program, and then I would share a little bit about my transition plan with you, and I'm just excited and I'm, I'm grateful that you, you came to join us at the meeting and observe, and um, I'd be, I'm being observed like a teacher would be <laughs> this lesson, so, um, you know, just appreciate the time, and I'm excited to have you come up and, sure, and speak. Alrighty, is that this microphone a good place to be? Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. So yeah, Michael Sullivan, uh, retired superintendent, and um, I'm from the western part of the state. I I worked. I was a coach for uh, Gene Sullivan at the um, Pike County Collaborative near, nearby here the last couple of years. So yeah, I live in Northampton, so this is uh, worked out in that way up and down the Connecticut River for 32, 33 years or so. Anyway, um, the program. If you've been on the uh, school committee a while, you might have seen a different earlier iteration of this, but it's been around for 13 years. And um, the, the point of the program is to support new superintendents with really best practices. We are highly focused on trying to help new superintendents themselves be focused on um, having all students learning at a high level. So um, even though uh, we've all dealt with COVID the last couple of years, our mantra is kind of like, you know, let's get back as, as much as we can to advancing equitable learning experiences for all kids, trying to keep our eyes on the prize about that. Which means um, we help 
uh, new supers uh, try and think and plan strategically, which includes starting with uh, an entry plan to get to know their district thoroughly, uh, even if they've been in the district for a while, they're in a new seat, hearing things, uh, new things from people and from different perspectives. So we want them to kind of take the time, um, go slow to go fast is one of our um, sayings. So um, that's what the entry process is about. And then um, later in the wintertime, um, Lucas will probably be sharing with you and with his leadership team kind of entry findings that he's got about um, what he's observed, what, what they've looked at in terms of data, qualitative and quantitative, and then use that information to uh, be a foundation uh, for forming a, a multi-year strategy going from there, probably work that will be occurring, you know, typically next spring and summer. So, um, anyway, so, th so that's part of the work. There's also the work of um, trying to improve the skills of one's leadership team and all the stakeholders, the, the faculty leaders, the professional staff, and so you just saw a really good example of, of that in action. So that's a component of the work. Another component of the work is just is being a mentor um, for each superintendent's supporting them in the challenges in the growth that they have as individuals in the role and that varies from superintendent to superintendent so there's flexibility to the program as well the um, main kind of practical components of the program are monthly meetings um, that with all of the, the supers in the cohort there's typically between 22 to 32 new superintendents every year that are in the program and um, almost all of them in the state join us. And so we have days that are about the curriculum, um, the, the components I just talked about, where we talk about those as a group and kind of compare notes. And there's time for um, the new supers to collaborate with each other, in addition to collaborating with the eight or nine coaches across the state. The second and probably most important part of the program are the individual meetings between the, the coach and the new superintendent in the first year. Those can be up to six hours a month, which are not just meetings between the super and the coach, but also attending leadership team meetings and also going to observe classrooms in action together and to meet with principals and kind of observe and support the superintendents as they support the principals supporting their faculty. So there's this whole crazy chain of uh, you know support and, and adult learning that we're trying to advance. So that's what um, Lucas is up to, and that's what you all are, have helped to support financially. Oh, and so it's two years of coaching, and then the third year of the program is almost exclusively consultancies with with a regional area of colleagues. So um, that's a little less intensive, and it's kind of like saying, all right, now you all support each other together without a lot of coach intervention. So, so that's, that's what we're up to. So, any questions for? Well, let's go ahead. I was going to ask you that. Um, I wasn't sure if you wanted Dr. Sullivan to answer questions now or after your transition plan. I didn't know if you. I can do he, a leader. Leader. I, do. I don't want him to stay. He just said he's from far away. <laughs> he, <laughs> he wants to be great. free. He might not. <laughs> I, I believe you're here to, to be a part sure. of this. Sure. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So we'll be mindful of that I won't spend um, 
two, you know, two hours, I, I'll keep it to one. Okay. And, all right, so I'll stick around. Well, right. <laughs> you could probably get ice cream and come back. Uh, basically, the transition plan, and I will be sharing this out with our community, just hits on, you know, we've been fortunate in Franklin to experience stable leadership over the years, and my hope is to continue that stability and transition into this role. I'm continuing to learn as an educator um, in this new perch that I have and develop my skills, and um, there's certainly areas of growth that I'll continue to try to develop as, as I continue. Um, basically, the overview, I talk about my values and what I believe about education, and um, a few pieces, a few things I would highlight is I believe that students are at the center of our work. We've been demonstrating that in this district for years, and um, relationships matter. And you know, we have a collective responsibility to support kids and ultimately um, high-functioning teams. Um, are rooted in respect and, and, and integrity, which are fundamental to that work. Um, uh, two areas I would focus on. One was on, because I'm transitioning, it was about sustaining momentum in the work that we're doing and not um, putting together an entry plan that wasn't authentic to kind of my role and having transitioned from within the district. So trying to focus on sustaining momentum, but then also setting priorities for the future. So I've set goals. I've begun transitioning um, since um, I've been appointed, meeting with um, different folks. Um, that will continue through the time, and Michael talked about that, to engage with stakeholders throughout. Um, reviewing our data and documents, I've listed um, some of that information in my, uh, my report. Visiting with schools, uh, Michael mentioned getting to schools um, with principals, and I know that you're gonna be joining me um, for some of those and also working within our leadership team uh, to continue to, to grow and move our district forward. So I tried to align a transition plan closely to what we're doing as a leadership team so that it wasn't a one-off where I'm doing this work kind of in a silo, but it's connected to a bigger idea around our district goals. And we've begun that work and we have um, some real momentum. Um, and you'll hear more about the district plan in future meetings, the next meeting, and then school improvement plans. So I thought the closer we're aligned that way, my findings, I would hope, would translate to being shared with our team, um, school committee, and then find their way into some of the work that we do moving forward to set goals for kids. So that's basically an overview of, of the plan itself. And at, at this point, I would open it up to any questions you may have for me or for Dr. Sullivan. Okay. Um, Camille, I'll start with you. No questions right now, thank you. Thank you. David uh, Dr. Sullivan, thank you very much for uh, uh, the overview of, uh, of what we're looking at. And, um, to Lucas, too, I really, uh, really appreciate kind of the, the um, awareness of maintaining that momentum while at the same time really kind of looking to to elevate yourself because it's it's always difficult when you're kind of in a position, you know, as you work, uh, where you know you know the assistant superintendent role so well and you kind of know you know in your mind where you were going over the next couple of years. But obviously we gotta you know ratchet that up uh, in the new role, and so I'm glad that we're kind of um, you know really kind of keeping all the work we were already doing moving forward while kind of looking to like to really ratchet that up. So and I uh, look forward to really kind of taking a look at these uh, the findings in the future. Uh, so Mr. Gear, uh, thank you for sharing the, the plan. Uh, definitely will read this. Um, I'm warmed to hear that you will be sharing this with me. Uh, residents and families in Franklin, I think uh, being transparent with them and what your plan is at least sets a, a great foundation and, and they understand where your vision is and what you're looking to do and and 
there are no surprises in terms of what you'll, you'll be doing down the road. Um, so definitely much appreciated that. Um, I guess for, for Dr. Sullivan, the um, question for you though is as a school committee, how can we help um, Mr. Gear be successful in his transition? Is there anything that we can do in particular or um, this is from your, your expertise? Thank you. Thanks. That's a great question. <clears throat> I, you know, there's obvious ways that we, it's great to be generally supportive where you can. Uh, I think to get to know the superintendent, I, we encourage the superintendents to speak and get to know you all individually and your motivations for being on the school committee. Uh, you've got relationships directly with him. Um, what, I think in, in very uh, practical terms, coming up will be um, the development of his goals for the, for the year. And we um, try and impress upon the new superintendents not to either offer or to be kind of, not coerced would not be the right word, but to not take on too many goals in their first year. It's even though he's high performing and internal, there's, there's still a lot of things that are new in terms of how do I handle them? Uh, and so how do I think about the job? How do I develop the relationships the way that I want to develop them? So uh, we would ask that you be mindful of having goals that um, recognize and legitimize the you know the process of becoming a superintendent as, as part of what he does and then also um, um, having goals I think that are that are, are not separate from the work you would like the, the leadership to accomplish in terms of either district or school improvement plans that the, that's a good place to draw the goals from for a superintendent so that's just one example that comes to mind so Thank you for that question. Right. No, great, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate the answer. Thank you. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Lucas, for uh, putting this together. It's very thoughtful, and um, it's excellent that both this plan and this program exists to set you up for success, because when you succeed, our entire year of Franklin Public School succeeds. Thank you. One thing that you had said, Dr. Sullivan, was about this is sort of describing the chain of adult learning, right? So it's you, and then it's Mr. Jagir, and then it's the principals, and then it's the teachers, and then it goes down to the students. And um, I just, I just love that as an idea and as a visual, and um, really appreciate that. You know, it's all growth mindset, no matter what position you hold, no matter you know your age, your years of experience, and I think. Um, that's something that I've seen Mr. Jagir be very, you know, open to growth mindset and supportive of that and um, humble in, in that way as far as um, always being a lifelong learner and continuous self-improvement. And I'm um, looking forward to reading this and talking about your goals next month. Um, yeah, thank you so much for the presentation. And yes, and I think this is fantastic. It's sort of like continues with the the digital learning, right, where we, you know, help uh, the teachers, help the students, and, you know, we're always, we're always learning, and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have resources and, and people help each other on not being a sink or swim, you know, situation. Uh, so thank you very much. Thank you. Dr. Sullivan, thank you so very much for coming out this evening. We really appreciate it, and for taking the time to mentor our wonderful new superintendent. So thank you.
It's a pleasure. See you around. Now you can go get some. I will. <laughs> and Jerry, drive ha safe. Half baked. Yeah. yeah, and drive safe. Moving <laughs> um, along to information letters. Let's see. Superintendent evaluation, please. So we don't really have any new updates, but as um, we were just sort of talking about, we'll expect to review the superintendent's new goals in October, and I'm hoping to pull this up committee, so um, Camille and Megan, um, we should get together probably, Lucas, if you have, at some, whenever you have a, a draft sure. of the goals, and we can look at them in light of our evaluation report um, before the school committee, that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, budget, do you have a Our budget is not that since last year. I did have a question. Um, I remember, I think it was like February, March, we had a joint budget subcommittee no, where it was like the town council and the FinCom and school committee and we all met and it was very like, are we, are, we, are, we, are we doing it again or was that just like a one-time thing? Do you um, know, do you hear anything? The plan was to do it multiple times. Okay. I haven't heard anything, so. Okay. That's, I'll have to look into that. I would certainly love to do it again because I thought it was very resourceful. I thought so as well as too. All right. Thank you. Policy. Dave Callahan. Right. Um, we just approved a number of the, uh, the work that we had been uh, uh, doing, and then we have another meeting uh, this month, actually, on September 28th. So next meeting. Oh my God. Already? Already. Oh, right. uh, Community relations. We have our Booth reserved for Harvest Festival, October 1st, 12 to 5. Um, everybody step on down. I'm gonna be enlisting people to come help me run the booth. Um, at our next meeting, we're gonna be discussing the MASC resolutions for the MASC Delegate Assembly being held in November. Space needs and facilities. Mr. Charles. Yes, uh, so we met today. Um, it was followed up on our meeting that was uh, what, two weeks ago. Um, yes. Um, and this meeting, we reviewed the compiled results of the um, independent assessments. Um, we received the, the cost per consultant. Mm -hmm. And we have come down to a consultant that we will bring for um, approval for all of you on the 27th. Um, so look forward to that. Um, so our next school committee meeting. Uh, we also talked through the redistricting the advisory committee interest form where we um, are, are working on how we will be asking the community, um, families, the educators to participate in this process. Mm -hmm. um, and now as it is a process, um, we'll also bring up the um, request to officially create the redistricting advisory committee um, as a best uh, school committee meeting. And then um, there will be, now that we're, we're entrenched in the process more so when it's formal, um, when we're getting a consultant, so there will be more communications being sent out to the families, the educa educators, um, whoever wants to be aware of this, and that's hopefully everybody and everyone. Um, Mr. DeGear will be also um, formally sending out some communications to the educators to keep them abreast of what's going on and how they can participate as well. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's becoming more formal um, and there will be a lot more updates and I feel like we'll have more, more detailed updates as we go um, as we, once we have the consultant and we'll have clearer time frames. Um, so it's, it's an exciting process, long process and um, we'll make sure that 
everybody and everyone knows what's going on throughout the whole entire Zucat system. We'll do our best. Yes. Uh, joint PCC. Uh, yes, we got. Uh, so we met for the first time. Um, this was just our introductory meeting for the first year, um, where we introduced um, the new leadership uh, of the PCC to the, the new central office staff. Um, we gave them a quick update around um, <clears throat> some of the just kind of standards in terms of how the PCC should work um, when signing contracts and things just to be mindful of um, in terms of uh, you know the name that's on it being the PCC versus the school, types uh, of insurance, just so that there's some standardization. Um, this year was uh, was really um, focused on making sure that there's consistency across the board, so that we're not necessarily doing things differently for the various PCC, which I think is a, is a great great um, um, item and a strategy to, to take. Um, from there, um, just just getting up to speed on what the PCCs are doing. Um, and it ranged from just our, our normal uh, back to school events, so things such as um, supporting the teachers for uh, lunches, for as it was welcome back lunch, uh, introductory uh, meet and greets with the families, built some camaraderie and some sense of community. Um, so these range from high school socials to um, 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 like parent get-togethers, um, and then just the various fundraisers that they're doing. Um, so they're once again doing the various things such as boostathon, uh, book fairs. So a lot of activities that will happen this year, um, and the PCs are. Um, I've asked them to also help participate in the communication around any of the um, space needs work that we're doing as well, just to, as another avenue to communicate and ensure that we cast a very wide net. Um, and we'll just be working hand in hand throughout the year just to make sure that um, families are involved with the events that are happening to enrich their, their students um, above and beyond what the district does. Great, thank you. Yep. School Wellness Advisory Council, Ms. Elisa. So we will resume our monthly meetings on October 4th. Ooh, nice. nice. Okay. Ah, See what I did? Alright. That's it. It's been a long day. CPAC. Elise. So there's a Meet the CPAC board event on Zoom on September 28th. And they're planning a trunk or treat in October and a book discussion, um, hopefully planned on escape into fiction in November. So check out their Facebook page for more information. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, substance abuse task force, Mr. Pierre. Uh, no. Oh, oh. Ah. my apologies. That's okay. Our first meeting will be October 11th. I plan to send the agenda out by the end of the week. We have the DEI committee. Can you write to? Um, that'd be Ms. Harris, and she is Post posting committee um, members. So she's okay. posting four committee members, and then the first meeting should be sometime after. Okay. We will need, we should probably look at the committees um, where we have school committee representation and look at who's assigned. Oh, thumbs up. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Perfect. Um, all right. Moving on to consent agenda. Okay. I recommend approval of the minutes of the August 23rd, 2022 school committee meeting as detailed. And I recommend acceptance of a check for $499.71 from O'Connor Portraiture for in-house enrichment as detailed. 
Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Okay. Discussion questions? All right, seeing none, I'm gonna do a roll call vote. Camille Bernstein? Yes. David Callahan? Yes. Al Charles? Yes. David New? Yes. Elise Stokes? Yes. Megan Whitmore? Yes. Denise Spencer? Yes. All right, approved. Citizens' comments. Are there any citizens in the audience, in person or online, who would like to make a comment on an item not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's purview? Um, I'll give folks at home a minute they'd like to raise their hand. Okay. All right. Uh, new business, Mr. Chief. Okay, so next meeting, you can expect an update on the district strategy for improvement, the district improvement plan, and some school improvement plans. We're going to break them up over the next two meetings. Um, so we'll start with, uh, I believe we're going to We'll start with our elementary, elementary pre-k and elementary pre-k and elementary thank you and then uh, the next meeting will be our secondary um, schools uh, for that'll be the month of october for school improvement um, also i'm sure we'll have um, more updates related to space needs and um, some other further updates we can provide regarding staffing and things like that We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.